Some says the hallmark. There's a lot of other things about apostles and apostolic, but the hallmark is gentleness. There's been a notion, you know, in the past that it's about being a steamroller or a bulldozer or, you know, front runner and all that sort of stuff. And and Paul, when we look at the life of Paul, uh, the the apostle. You can get that impression, but if you read the entire of all the stuff that he wrote, the way he did things in the Bible, there's very little harshness there. There's some really strong words sometimes, and if you latch onto those, you go, oh, that's ugly. You know, it feels ugly, but there's so much about, and there's so much concern that he has for the body to act appropriately towards each other. And he gives good reasons for that in the scriptures. And if we get to my 40 scriptures that I've got here, you might hear some of that. I suspect I'm not going to get very far, but that's all right. It gives me something to speak about down the track. So, John posed a few questions. And if you watched, anyone watch any of the sessions? And I was trying to post links and things like that. And I can't remember what the, what the actual questions were that he posed right at the start. You know, he said, what's an, well, I think he did say, what's an apostle? Or what's the apostolic? What's the future for the apostolic? What's next for the apostolic? You know, and he, he posed all this, and oh, this is my really condensed version. He quickly came, oh, he didn't quickly, he summarised things in that the apostolic message is love. And it encapsulates our love for God and our love for one another, our love for each other. These are extraordinarily important, powerful things, because when Jesus condensed what was important out of the Old Covenant, he didn't make, he rarely made any reference to the, the Pharisaical laws, but with the Ten Commandments, he condensed when he was asked, what's the most important? He cut it down because he knew we weren't much good. You know, ten was a little bit too much to handle. Oh, oh! Well, thank you. That was, no, that was good. That's a good get. Keep the angle up. Wow. <laughs> the apostolic is about speed. No, it's not. <laughs> now, where was I up to? The ten. Too much for us to handle. He says, and he, and he gives an explanation about how you fulfil the old covenant. You've heard me say this so many times, but we've got to get it in our heads. He summarised, if you want to live under the old covenant, there's a way you can do it. By loving God, with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, and love your neighbour as yourself. That's how you fulfil the old covenant. The new covenant standard for Jesus is when he said, a new commandment I give to you, the only command he gave, taught a whole lot of things, but a new command I give to you, that you love one another like I have loved you. Now, I suspect for a lot of us, we really struggle to love one another like Christ loves us. You think about it. We really relish, you know, for those of us that really understand and know the love of God, we really relish that because it covers a multitude of sins, it redeems us, protects us. But is that the way we love other people? Do we protect them? Now, I've made references before. I'm going to jump all over the place, Chrissy. You'll never be able to follow where I'm going to, if, if I go anywhere with those scriptures that I gave you. The posing of the question, love. 
Now we can say that's too mushy, that's too wishy-washy. But let me take you to Corinthians, the wedding passage. It's not about weddings at all. It's a great one to use, because of that, but it actually spells out the, the characteristics of love. It's not exclusive, I mean, it's not, it's not exhaustive, I should say. <clears throat> but it goes like this, if I speak in the, in the tongues of men and angels, but I do not have love, I am only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy, which we want, and can fathom all the mysteries and all knowledge, and if I, if I have a faith that can move mountains, don't we want all that? But if I don't have love, I am nothing. If I give all I possess to the poor and give over my body to hardship that I may boast, but do not have love, I gain nothing. So I will resist anything that says, oh, yeah, but this is important. And I'll say, yep, it is important, but it's not as important as love. And the characteristics of love and how love is expressed and how love is received. You can tell me about doctrine, and doctrine is really important. Now, John Ellie spoke about that. Really important to be educated. Solidly know the Bible, solidly know doctrine. But that will not release in you the gentleness that we're talking about here. It will not necessarily just because you have the knowledge and the doctrinal understanding. I have been in church meetings where extremely well educated, biblically educated, college educated, and they do not represent the kingdom and love. And they know their Bibles extremely well, yet they will still stand up and ridicule people or, or, or force, try to force their own position on people because they're learned and they know more and never the point. I am much keener on seeing somebody demonstrate love to somebody than I am for them to correct them in their theology or you know, sit them down. Again, discipling is a good, the discipling that Lynn wants to do. But the discipling that Lynn is doing is in a love relationship with her team. It's not about sending them off to do assignments, to write essays, to, do, to dig into the scriptures. All that can be good. But if it does not actually produce genuine, convictable, in other words, if they were, if they were charged with loving a lot, there would be a ton of evidence they'd get convicted straight away. Some of us, you know, we'd be dragged into court and they'd say, well, demonstrate, tell us how you love people. And some of us would go, well, I did this or I did that, and I know this and I love God, that sort of thing. And probably a lot of it might not be about how I actually love the person next to me. And more importantly, how I love the person next to me that I don't like. I used, to, I used to use this as a bit of a cop-out. This is not where I was going to go this morning. I used to use this as a cop-out, saying, you've got to love people. You don't have to like them, but you, you've got to love them. That's not right. Get rid of that out of your head. Because the Bible says, the Lord says, love your enemies. doesn't give us the cop-out of, but you don't have to like them. No. A demonstration of real love John uses this phrase, affection. 
or a longing for each other, an affection for each other, wanting the absolute best for them. Now that might mean that you, you do bring correction, but you'll bring, you've heard me say this before, no drive-by corrections. You know, none of this, oh, I'm doing it in love. If you say you're doing it in love with somebody, I will say, how many times have you met with them before you even raised this? Have you shared meals together? Have you gone out and hung out together? Have you really got to know this person? Or have you observed their sin and, and, and you have an anointing of correction in the body of Christ? That's not a gift, by the way. We do have to judge. We do make judgments. But it's not a gifting that you need to exercise and strengthen. Anyway, being a bit random here. And I'm not going to say much more because there's a lot more. I need to make it more orderly. But, but the heart of the apostolic is love. The heart of an apostle will be love. An apostolic people, an apostolic gathering of people that's supposed to be the church, it will be characterised by what? What does the scripture say to us? They'll know that you are my disciples if you can preach the gospel. If you can, you can spot sin a mile away and correct it. They'll know you're my disciples if you get if you get a Jesus t-shirt, you know, or a big cross, or wear a cross. I used to wear a cross in my ear. I was very spiritual then. I'm less spiritual now. They will know that you are my disciples because. Don't say. They will know that you are my disciples because you come to church every Sunday. I'm giving you some important things here. They'll know that you are my disciples because you give a lot of money to different things. That's good. Most of these things I've said are good. They'll know you are my disciples if you share your possessions. Well, that could be good. And it could be an expression of love. But it just says, and, and, and when this is written in the scriptures, it doesn't give us a big explanation. It says, you'll know, they'll know you are my disciples if you love one another. Because of your love for one another. You know, and I've said this, I don't know how many times, but it, it has to be got, it has to be drilled down. When Jesus, his last prayer on the earth, tell me what he was praying about. That they would be one, not just for them now, but all those in the future, but they would be one. Not like anyone together, but they would be one like you, Father, and I are one. Now that's just not a mild acquaintance. The Trinity don't exist in just a mild acquaintance. You know, the Holy Spirit's out around Pluto somewhere just hanging out doing his own thing and, and Jesus is, is off, you know, he, he pops in and out of the earth and that sort of thing. And the Father, he hangs right outside our galaxy somewhere because he's right in the middle of the universe, you know. And occasionally they'll cross paths, you know, to do something or, you know, knock a planet out of the way so it doesn't, or a star it's heading out of the way, you know, keep, keep us safe. No, they live in love community. And praise God, they don't argue. They're very real in their relationships because we, we actually see Jesus in, in the night where he was arrested, what was happening there. He's under a great deal of pressure. He's dripping sweat as if like drops of blood. 
But he's having a conversation with the Father. And what's he talking about? He's not there going, oh man, looking forward to getting nails in my hands and feet. You know, looking forward to, you know, having to, to be dragged in front of a bunch of people um, and spat on and beaten, you know, and have my skin torn off me and, and then have to drag a dirty hunk of wood up and, and then be dropped into a grave and, and in the sun and the heat and the ridicule. I'm really looking forward to it, Dad. He said, what did he say? If there's any other way, that's my paraphrase. If there's any other way you can do this, could you do it that way? There was real honesty. But he says, but not my will, but your will. Now there is a submissive statement between a triune God that is completely equal, Father, Son and Holy Spirit, but there's a submissive statement, but not my will, but your will. Does that make God the Father greater? Don't go down that road if you want to have a Trinitarian theology. If you have a Trinitarian theology, then they're Father, Son, Holy Spirit. They're the same. They're the one essence. They're the one. You know, read the Apostles' Creed and the Nicene Creed. They all try and, try and explain it, but they can't do it properly because none of us can. We've got to accept that they are who they are. They are all, you know, you look at various from the start of the Scriptures to the end of the Scriptures. There's Father, Son and Holy Spirit scattered all the way through there in prophetic imagery and in creation and salvation, all that. They live in such a way that demonstrates love. Oh, there's so much. Who's heard of Juan Carlos Ortiz? Yeah? Not many people would have. I think I've got one of his books. Jan would have heard this. There's two things I like about it. I haven't even read the book, I think, that I've got from Juan Carlos Ortiz. And I was told one story and then just told another story when I was in Rockhampton. One story of his is large church, Argentinian, isn't he? Argentinian, he was? Yeah, he is. What is dead now, I think. Gone. Um, he stood up in his pulpit and he preached a sermon. Very, very brief. Love one another. And that was it. So sat down. Now that has effect. We just says love one another. Week two, stands up in the pulpit, open your Bibles, let's look at this, love one another, sits down. That probably has some effect as well. Mm, you know. Week after week, the elders of the church, slowly bring him aside, he's obviously lost it, you know. What are you doing? And his simple answer was, well, until we actually start doing it, what's the point of moving on beyond that? Again, I can teach you all sorts of theology and all sorts of things, good things you can do, but I'm not, it, he obviously was not seeing a, a, an actual manifestation of the love that he was hoping that his people were picking up from the other teaching that he'd been giving, probably, and what they were reading in their Bible. I heard another illustration. I think it was David Hood, was it Jan? David Hood gave the illustration, didn't he? Or was it John? It was John? Okay. Now this is again my paraphrase because I didn't write it down exactly. But the thing is, and you might have heard this gathered too, have you heard this one? That we are potatoes. Juan Carlos Ortiz. We are potatoes. We all get together and it's good. We're just potatoes all together and it's fun. We're in the same box and we're hanging out. 
but then they clean us. They start scrubbing. We start getting scrubbed. And that hurts a little bit, but that's all right. We're looking good. We're all looking around. We're all looking good. You know, all us potatoes, we're proving we're looking really good. That's nice. Then we start getting peeled. Now that's some significant discomfort in there now, and that hurts. And we're seeing other people getting peeled as well. And then we notice there's a pot. This is my paraphrasing of the story. And then we notice there's a pot over on the stove. And we're all going in the pot after we've been peeled. Now that really hurts. But it makes us soft. It makes us really soft. And when the water's poured off and we're all pushed in together, it all just falls together and it's easily mushed up and that. And God likes us as potatoes because he loves mashed potato. He doesn't want us to be a box of potatoes. He doesn't want us to be a box of clean potatoes. Or peeled potatoes. Or just boiled potatoes. He wants us to be mashed potatoes. Because he loves mashed potatoes. Let me read to you, I didn't get to the part in, in Corinthians, I read the first part. Now if I can find the Corinthians part. Now, we read over these so quickly. Your assignment is to read 1 Corinthians 13, 4, starting with chapter 4, with the love is as bits. Your assignment, which should you choose to accept it, I will not ask you whether you are going to hand in your assignment, but that's between you and God. I want to work out, I want to challenge you this week to actually try and work out a way of physically manifesting each of these characteristics. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It does not dishonour others. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres, love never fails. And it goes on and says we have prophecies and that sort of thing. And then at the end of, end of the chapter it says that three things remain, faith, hope and doctrine. Faith, hope and good works. Faith, hope, you beat me to it. <laughs> Faith, hope and love. And the greatest of these is love. Now, I probably haven't done very well with what I wanted to say, but there's an assignment. It's not just a nice, lovely verse. <clears throat> if it is not manifesting in, it, in us, individually and corporately, if it's not manifesting in us, the world will struggle to receive the beautiful gospel that we profess. They will struggle with it. Look what gets the news about churches and Christians. What gets in the news? 
It's not our outrageous, and it's not that there isn't plenty. There is plenty to put in the news that the churches are doing really, really well, and that Christians do really, really well, but they don't make the news. The bad stuff makes the news. And they wouldn't have loved if, if the investigative reporters could find nothing. You know, I'm talking fanciful here, aren't I? But hey, we've got to strive for it. We've got to have a go. You know, I suspect if people come in, you know, stumble in here and that sort of thing, I, I don't know whether they would leave this place going, man, they love each other. Look how they love each other. That comes out of the Bible as well. Look how much they love one another. How, how do they know that? Why is that statement get made? There must have been some evidence for it. It wasn't just a sign on the wall saying, oh, we love one another. Say, oh, there it is. I'll go out and I can say they love one another because it said so on the wall. Or it said so in their bulletin. You know, because we're going to do what we do in a context of, you know, grace, community, love. It's nothing to do with what's written in the bulletin. It's nothing to do with what's found on a website. It's all to do what is in the hearts of God's children. It's about the heart. And I want the heart to control the head. Head's good, but it'll generally cause problems if the heart is not in the right place. And don't quote me the scriptures that say, oh, all deceit comes out of the heart of man. I know that. What we're saying is down here, this, this part of us, this affection part of us, this thing that, that'll have us that potentially can have us laying down our lives for one another. That's out of the Bible too. I don't know if this has been a hard word, an encouraging word, or a good word, or what it is, but take Corinthians home with you. 1 Corinthians 13, start from verse 4, and read as far as you need to before it gets too challenging and you'll run out of days in the week to try and do these things. But literally try. If, you do, if you're like me, you don't make good you know, lists and things like that, but just go to it every now and then during the week and read it again and say, how can I do that? How can I do that to somebody that's important or even somebody that's not important to me? How can I do it to the person at the service station? But more so within the household of God. Because the better we are at it here, Hopefully the better we are will be out there. Because if our natural instincts are to love one another with patience and kindness and gentleness, go to the fruit of the Spirit as well if you need to. Start off reading the fruit of the Spirit and put love and a colon there and then add the other bits afterwards. Love, gentleness, love, kindness, love, self-control, love. Yeah? Man, these are, these are works in progress. They are big, they are deep, and if they don't manifest in the church, it's going to take us forever to get the job done. And God's got all the time in the world, but we don't. Anyway, let's pray. The band can come out while I'm praying. I haven't missed anything, have I? Um, that's, that I said someone could share or do in the service, because I didn't write anything down. Okay, we're okay. Holy Spirit, come upon us now and please instruct us 
as to how we can love one another like you have loved us. Like you love us. Help us to manifest true love from the heart. True love in relationship with you and with each other. So that that relationship, that relational love, powerfully demonstrates the gospel of Jesus Christ. Because God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever would believe in him wouldn't perish, but have life and life eternal. Amen? Amen. Thank you for listening.